the top players and legends to the very best analysts around the world from wherever the beautiful game is played. This is BTP. Now, we're talking football. Yes, hello folks, welcome to the Weekly Manchester United Show. My host is always Phil Brown, joining now with my regular co-host, the fantastic comic fan. And as we said, every week on this show, you haven't checked out this guy, give him a check out at Football CFB or Callum. CFB, is it? It's, it's, did I get that right? Yes, yes. And now you've got Ethan Laird coming up on your show. Yeah, so basically, um, I spoke to Ethan this week and I'm going to be publishing that interview on Thursday. So we talked about his journey through the academy at Manchester United making his debut in the, the, the Europa League. He talked about what it's really like training with a player like Paul Pogba and, of course, his current uh, loan spell with MK Dons. So I'm looking forward to sharing that with everyone. Is he going to talk about what it's really like to be interviewed by Cal McFan? <laughs> I hope not, because I don't think I'll ever get another interview again. All right, listen. We're coming off the back of another draw that feels like a defeat. <clears throat> One each against West Brom. Uh, has a similar feel to the Sheffield United result. Uh, a, a place where United rivals have gone and won comfortably, where United go and struggle. And they struggle for the same reasons. They seem to always struggle against uh, weaker opposition. Give away terrible goals, which is unbelievable, the goals that they've given away. Um, and they make the game difficult for themselves. If there's one thing you don't want to do against West Brom, it's concede early. Because as soon as you do, they're going to do exactly what they did. They're going to throw 11 men behind the ball and they're going to make it extremely difficult for you to break them down. Do not concede. I am sure. If you look at when that game kicked off, I want you to just look at something if you haven't done this already. Go back and watch it. United players fly out of the box. Fly out of the, 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 the start of the game. And I'm assuming because Solskjaer told them, you have to start strong, start quick. Right? And we've seen so many times this season that it start games really poorly and fall behind. This seems to be a problem that they haunted United a few months ago and it's come back to haunt them again. And they concede a goal, a Sam Allardyce goal. Get the ball wide, big strong striker in the box, big target man in the box, going to make it ugly, jump all over you. The one thing that is predictable. And by the way, I rate Sam Allardyce as a really good coach and I don't think he gets anywhere near the credit he deserves. But the one thing, and yeah, maybe it's a foul. Probably is a foul, right? But at the same time, Lindelof has to see him coming. He has to be do better. To me, it looked like Lindelof looked, saw him coming, and expected to be given the foul, and didn't really challenge for the ball. I mean, you have to do better than that. And to me, really disappointing goal to give away. And another disappointing thing was, when the time, by the time Bruno Fernandes scored... I think that was one of the only times that I had a shot on target. And by the end of the game, West Brom had better chances to win that game in United. Um, really, really disappointing performance. And these are the results that are costly for United. And, uh, you know, one point against Sheffield United and West Brom is just nowhere near good enough. And actually, if you look at the West Brom game at Old Trafford, you know, we're very, very lucky to win that game too. Spot on, Phil. And... Um... We've been speaking recently on the show about United's positivity going forward, but we've always emphasised the the worries that we have with the, the centre-back pairing. And Gary Neville um, summed it up perfectly last night over in, here in the UK. He said, Lindelof's problem is Maguire and Maguire's problem is Lindelof. As a, as a pair, they just don't work as a partnership. And unfortunately, I, I don't think it's ever going to work. I think really... It has to be one or the other. I think you, you play Lindelof with a bye type or you play Maguire with a with a bye type or a new signing come the summer, which which we've also talked about. They they just don't complement each other well and it's frustrating. You you mentioned the fact that Lindelof is is probably expecting the foul and I agree with you. Um Rio Ferdinand another ex United player commented that in those situations you go and head the ball or, or kick it with all your might you expect the, the, the player to come in and absolutely land on top of you, but you do your job. Mm-hmm. You go in there, you, you wipe the ball out, and if you get wiped out, then so be it. Your team haven't conceded. But you're right, it's as if he looked, and there was that brief moment of hesitancy that said, if he comes in, I'm going to get the foul anyway. And unfortunately, he was punished. I agree, mm-hmm. I think it was a foul, but you cannot rely 
on refereeing decisions in any game. And I'm not mm. saying that as a slight at referees. I'm not saying that as a slight at VAR. I just think with the with the tangibles you can control, such as clearing the ball and getting rid of it, mm. you need to take that into your own hands. And unfortunately, Lindelof, time and time again, when he comes up against a physical opponent, for me, doesn't deliver that. Maguire can deliver that, but the problem Maguire has, as we've said on the other hand, is when there's an opponent with pace, that's his kryptonite as well. So you've got two centre-halves with glaring deficiencies, and unfortunately I don't think they mask each other's deficiencies. Well, Darren Abel said something on Sky, and I have to agree with him, where he said, Maguire is Lindelof's problem, and Lindelof is Maguire's problem, and I completely agree with that, because they're just not suited as a centre-back parent. And I think this is why, when one of them's paired with Eric Bailly, preferably Maguire you see a better centre-back pairing and so for me I look at that clearly you need its priorities as a centre-back over the summer um, and there's nothing in the Sergio Ramos rumours I asked so total nonsense um, Rafael Varane that isn't exactly denials coming from United <laughs> it comes on that just the assumption that um, he won't they, they, that I mean I lo- I, I, I've asked a few people um and this, the, the, the interesting thing I've said about Varane is he's joined a British soccer agency, uh, a r- r- um, representative agency. And um, I think if United could get him out of there, he would be someone that um, United would love to have. Uh, be in. But <clears throat> So we know they're looking for a centre-back. We know that's a priority of the summer. Uh, as far as Paul Pogba goes, still no further update on that. But we'll see what happens with that. Um, so you can see that they're targeting a different centre-back. And the thing that irritates me, Callum, so this is this was a problem that we, it was this time last year we were saying the same thing, you know, his priority is a centre-back this summer. And somehow it didn't get addressed. If that's what's happening, you know, to be in champions, being, being title challengers, why why didn't it get addressed this last summer? Why didn't you know send that centre-back? Because it was supposedly a priority then. And it was, in my opinion... Unbelievable! They didn't send a centre back. It seems such an obvious problem to me. They didn't. Here we are, and I, and we can talk about Solskjaer's comments um, about not being realistic title challengers in a minute. But here we are talking about a problem that we know has been has been a problem for at least twelve months at the club, at least. So they can't afford to not get it right this summer. Take a look at, at Bayern Munich. Almost to the day, David Alaba announces that he's going to Real Madrid, they announce Upper McConnell. Now that is a that is a, a shrewdness and a and a, and a, and a, and a, a type of nurse in the market that I wish we had. We just don't do business that way. And I wish we did. I wish you know you could go out and send players with just minimum fuss. One in, one out, no saga, no drama, no leaks, no it's just so tedious. But um uh, we'll most likely be involved in another saga this summer. I think it's probably heading that way. <laughs> You're right, it just seems to be how United do things, and maybe not even how United necessarily do things. Maybe uh, we've heard so many times before that agents know that Manchester United carries that power, that as soon as you link your player with Manchester United, it's in every newspaper across the globe. Sporting Witness are, are putting up in their Twitter page and it's going out to, to here, there and everywhere. So I think we also have to be wary of that. But, but you're spot on when it comes to the efficiency of deals, even in the managerial uh, terms. And I'm not saying United should change manager. I'm just making a point of the efficiency. Look at Dortmund with Marco Rosa. Mm-hmm. He's coming in this summer to the job. He's been identified. He's been signed up. He's been agreed. And everyone knows where they're heading next season. The likes of your Sancho or your Haaland or whoever they've got at the club know the new man's coming in. They they know who it is. They know his profile. And they can decide whether they're going to stick a twist this summer as footballers. Whereas, as you've said, at United, it doesn't quite work that way. Um, and, and, and unfortunately... This summer, you cannot afford to have leaks, have delays, when it's probably going to be a buyer's market. If you want to get the best centre-half in class who is available, this is the perfect time to do it if you're a Manchester United. As you've mentioned with Bayern and and Real Madrid with their business, with the two players mentioned, they've been able to flex their financial muscle and get those deals done now. Because let's be honest with you, 
the selling club and, and, and Leipzig's case, and I know Alaba's out of contract, they, they don't really have a, a position of power there. So the buying club can, can dictate the terms and get it done quickly. And I hope United could do that. I suppose the, the argument, the counter-argument Ole Gunnar Solskjaer might make is if he was to announce he was signing a top-level centre-back in the summer, would it cause even more nervousness in the likes of a Maguire and a, and a Lindelof? Potentially, but the argument I would make to that one would be if they're, if they're not nervous, then they shouldn't beat Manchester United. You should never be content as a starter at Manchester United, whether you're Fernandes, whether you're Cavani, whether you're Rashford, De Gea, Shaw, whoever it is, you should always be slightly looking over your shoulder and thinking, who's coming from my position? Who could be coming from my position to ensure that you're consistently and constantly on it to, to prove your worth every week? Because the man who we've mentioned so often recently, Phil Anthony Martial, mm-hmm. he seems to be not a player who is bothered about looking over his shoulder and seeing what's on the horizon. Another performance at the weekend that was flat, a performance that you just you just want you just want someone to grab him with a scruff of the neck, as someone like Roy Keane would say and say and, and, and shout at him and say, This is your chance. You've got all the talent in the world. Go and make yourself an icon of Manchester United over the next four or five years because you've got every single trait that you'd want. You've got pace, you've got composure, you're a good finisher, but you just don't have the consistency. And unfortunately, as he gets a wee bit older, he's not old by any stretch of the imagination. If the consistency's not in his game now, I just worry it's never really going to come. And he's going to be a player that is always going to be on the periphery of greatness without ever really achieving it and showcasing his talent on a on a consistent level. Get the Anthony Marshall second Anthony Marshall second because I want to pick up on something that you said earlier <clears throat> about Solskjaer and the squad. And I said something at the weekend um where I said you can't say we're not realistic title challengers and then say you're happy with the squad. And some people said, well what do you want Solskjaer to say? Do you want to upset the squad? Yes I do. I don't want you need a player sitting there feeling like, oh you know what, I got nobody to worry about coming in. If you're a Manchester United player, you should expect the club to bring in a couple of players every summer, whether they win the league or not. Okay? And anybody that's sitting there going, well, Oli just said that the squad's not complete. If you're one of the top players at the football club, you're not, you know he's not talking about you. If you're one of the skivers and one of the guys that isn't putting in performances every week, then you know he's talking about you. I guarantee you if Solskjaer goes out and says he's not 100% content with the squad, Bruno Fernandes isn't losing any sleep. I guarantee you, Luke Shaw isn't losing any sleep. Now, if you're some of the players that aren't putting in performances week in, week out, then you are losing sleep, and so you should be. If you want to play at this football club, you have this shirt. This shirt is nine possessions, nine tenths of the law. You have it to lose. Keep it. Do what Luke Shaw did. Solskjaer doesn't have to think about left back. Now, we talked about with Luke Shaw at Manchester United, you need to need a left back, need a left back, need a left back. No one thought about that anymore. If Luke Shaw solved the problem, he answered the question. So, in your position, you should answer the question so that Solskjaer doesn't have to think about it. So, for me, I have no problems with Solskjaer coming out and saying, we're one or two players short where we need to be. Okay. That doesn't say anything to the players at the time. Well, in fact, what it does say to the likes of Bruno Fernandes is we're not content with sitting where we're at. We're not, we know we're a couple of players short. Right? That's what it says to the United's top players. Top players don't worry about that. They never have. Go back to any of United's you know, double winning seasons, travel winning seasons, when they went out and brought players in. Top players didn't worry about that. They, they welcomed it. So for me, I, I don't buy that. I understand... Solskjaer isn't the type of guy to come out and do that. And I also understand that just because he doesn't say it doesn't mean he doesn't think it. And I, like, I'm well aware, you know, Solskjaer sometimes is playing games that you and I don't recognise. Like, I've thought about the Haaland thing, right? He came out and said that he's been watching Haaland very closely. Now, most of us wanted him to rip the head of Mina Riola three, two, three months ago. And some people may have said he was weak for not doing it. But then it makes me wonder... Maybe he's playing the game where he wants to keep his relationship with Riola to take advantage of the Holland situation. Perhaps, I don't know. But just interested in the fact that he said that they're following him closely, unlike Solskjaer to comment on a player that's not United, because usually he says it's not our player, I want to comment on them, and, and give something away like that, it's unlike him. 
So that tells me that he is a very serious consideration. On top of which, uh, I want to get back to your Anthony Martial comments because <clears throat> take a look at Mason Greenwood, take a look at Marcus Rashford. And when neither of them are scoring goals, they're still impacting the game. They're still trying to create, they're still running the players, they're still beating players. I mean, you saw Greenwood at the weekend, probably should have scored when that chance fell to his feet. But I saw him beat players. I saw him constantly trying to make things happen. When Anthony Martial doesn't score, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't impact the game at all. He just looks permanently pissed off. And I'm looking at him going, Anthony, anything other than a world-class player consistently, week in, week out, is you is is the equivalent of you not reaching your, your talent. You have the talent of a world-class footballer, but you are nowhere near that right now. Okay? So you're surviving on reputation. If, if we had signed Anthony Martial this season and this was the only thing we'd seen of him, we'd be seriously concerned. There's no consistency in him. There's no... There's no rhythm. He scores against Southampton. You're thinking, okay, here we go. Then, because he's a patchy player, doesn't turn it in the following week. If you're not scoring against the likes of West Brom, when can we when can we expect goals? You need to need those goals up front because defensively there's a concern. And we're talking about a team that prior to West Brom had the best goal scoring record in the league. I, Southampton has said that's still an exceptional result. It's still an exceptional from Manchester United. It's caused the problems at the back, but it's also up front because that, that statistic is a little bit misleading. You did need more goals from Greenwood, you need more goals from Martial. Cavani's been a godsend, right? Thank God. Um, it is a bit weird that they haven't exercised that extension on his contract yet, and I assume that'll get done. Um, I don't like how United have done those things in the past where they've notified people by mail that they exercise their that one year contract. I sincerely hope they handle this a little bit better, I'm sure they will. Um, it seems to me like a, a, a no-brainer. Why would you not extend Cavani's contract? He's the best striker at the football club by far. Um, but um, the, 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 what, what's costing it against West Brom is Mason Greenwood not scoring goals, is Anthony Martial not scoring goals, is Marcus Rashford having another day where promises a lot, delivers very little. That is the big worry, and you're right. When it comes to clinical finishing, you look at the goal United scored and it's it's a really good cross from Luke Shaw given the position that he was put in with the pass that he receives. He manages to stand the ball up and you look at Bruno Fernandes and you just think, wow. He just reminds you of Eric Cantona with the, with the sheer absurd nature that he can score goals by bending his body and getting himself into positions that other players wouldn't even think about. Again, though, the issue I have is it's a moment of magic that United score with. And, and people might be listening to this saying, Callum, what are you talking about? Of course, a team like United should score with moments of magic and pieces of brilliance. And yes, they should. But they should also be able to score with a very basic goal and do the, do, do the, the, the simplistic elements of attack right. You look at, at Manchester City when they, when they face Tottenham. They score with a route one ball and they take advantage of a poor mistake. Have United been able to do that recently? Or has it been... A Fernandez wonder moment, maybe breaking a team down that are already have already got ten men. That's the things that worry me because that attacking trio of Cavani, of a, a Rashford, of a Martial with with uh, Fernandez in behind should be able to to score more of the clear cut chances that they get. And unfortunately, that's the issue with Rashford and, and at the moment with. Young Greenwood as well. Now, I know Mason's only 19. He signed a new long-term contract today, which is fantastic news for mm-hmm. football club and for him. But the, the, you need those chances to be taken. And again, how many times have we said it, Phil? When Cavani gets into these positions, someone has to find them quicker. Because if mm-hmm. you get the ball to him, he's shown he can score. Too often, and I know we're repeating ourselves in the show, a Rashford or a Greenwood can be guilty of taking that touch too many or, or trying that trick too many when really you need to sometimes be direct, get the ball and get it to Cavani or get it to a Fernandez as quickly as you can and let something happen because as I say, it frustrates me that United aren't aren't doing what I would what I say, what I would call the, the, the basics of attack right. It's great to score a fantastic half volley, it's great to score the Cantonese goal last week as well, mm-hmm. but I just want to see a United player get to the byline, cut it back across the floor, and for a Rashford, a Greenwood, or a Martial to be in and around that six-yard box and at the edge of the box to take the ball and finish it. 
the way that we've seen some of our rivals do in recent weeks because until United can play teams like Sheffield United and play teams like West Brom off the park when they have the the um, form ahead of them, when they have the players that are better individually mm-hmm. than those players, you aren't going to win league titles. I know we can look at the defence and rightly so and criticise them, but at the weekend, only scoring one against that West Brom side where your rivals are scoring four against them is frustrating. You 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 hinted at it. When they get the early goal, they're a completely different proposition. Mm-hmm. Of course they are. But Manchester United should be able to break that down. And if they can't break it down, then where they are now is probably where they should be, as Ollie has said. Whether he should have said it in such terms, I know we can debate. Well, I mean, look... <clears throat> I didn't think they were realistic title challengers, even when they were sitting in trouble. When I say realistic, I didn't think that they would win the league. I still thought they were still a one or two players short, at least. And I think that um, we've talked about you know its weaknesses. Solskjaer's done a fantastic job at United. For me, there's Ollie and Ollie out. I'm not convinced by one game or two games, right? For me to be Ollie out is going to require a run of poor form where I don't feel like where I feel like he's he's done everything he could possibly do to get the best out of this United team. There's also for me the point where he can't be second forever. Right? Second's not good enough. If he's still sitting talking about being second next season and that and, and, and that that's not that's not acceptable. You know, the United have to be a team that isn't just I mean remember we're knocked out of the champions. They like were nowhere near the level of a Bayern Munich or these top teams, we're nowhere near that level. And so that shouldn't be acceptable. That that should have been addressed over the summer. Some good signings were made over the summer, no question, but not enough. In so when I look at this, I think there's no way that it can. I understand the pandemic, and I'm I'm sure this is going to have a great impact on how you need to do business this summer. But I, they can if they cannot real if they don't address their weaknesses this summer. Then you you have to say that Solskjaer is managing a football club that isn't serious about winning the league, and if they're not serious about winning the league, then maybe the, the, the second the, the Glazers may well just be content with second and say, you know what, we get to see him for second as we do in first, except with the exception of a few million dollars or million million pounds prize money, because you know that's the metric that they view everything through. So for them, hey, if Solskjaer can win this team to win the league, great. If not, second second will be us. That's what part that worries me. How do you convince the Glazers this summer to say, hey, I know this is a pandemic, but we need 130, 40 million to go and spend and catch Man City? Why do I care about catching Man City? Why, why, why can't I just finish second? When, uh, that's, that, that, to me, this will be the answer. We'll get the answers to these questions this summer. We should have had the answers these last summer. The, the, the United cannot deny it was a disappointing summer. Some good signings were made, but it was poor in terms of the signings and their impact on the team. If you looked at the signings that were made and their impact on the team, tell us you could argue has had a positive impact on Luke Shaw. Um, Cavani's been excellent, no question. Right, Van de Beek been really disappointed, and we'll get to him in a bit. Um, and, and you know, Dean Henderson came back, so Henderson, for my money, probably should be starting right now. Uh, De has got loyalty, long his loyalty Solskjaer really doesn't owe him much um, and so uh, obviously in Diallo came which we haven't we haven't seen anything of yet so the signings that were made last summer their impact on the team isn't great Callum there's still some of the problems that existed previous that last summer that should have been addressed last summer they, they missed out on the main target again they missed out on the targets in January of course with, with, with Holland I know we got Bruno Fernandes but that can't happen this summer it can't happen, and, it, and you, you've hit the nail on the head. If United don't strengthen quickly and efficiently, then it's clear to see that the ownership potentially don't see the need to heavily invest the challenge for a league title anytime soon. Because you look at Liverpool and you look at a team that we were told um, were one of the greatest sides in the history of football. We were told that this means more. We were told that. This side is unbeatable. It's unbreakable. You'll never catch them. They finish 30-odd points ahead of you and you'll take five, ten years to catch up. That's what we were told. That's what we were fed by by uh, elements of the media. United have now overtaken Liverpool. Now, Manchester City, as you've said, have invested. They've signed Ruben Diaz. They've paid hefty money for him in and around the £60 million mark. But that's what you need to pay these days mm-hmm. for 
a top player in the position. You look at Van Dijk at the time, a lot of people scoffed and said, 75 million for a guy at Southampton, that's a gamble. But they believed in their system. They believed in their methods and, and, and it paid off for them in the end. And that's what you need to see United do. You need to see United invest in the structure and the strategy that Solskjaer has put in place now because he knows how he wants his teams to play. He might not necessarily have the the, the personnel and defensive, as we've talked about, to play that way to a level that's going to win a major trophy. But this summer's the chance to make that dream more of a reality than it is at the moment. Get him the centre-half he needs. Get him the right-sided player he wants for balance. You've mentioned Haaland. Go and get a, a long-term number nine who can lead the line when Cavani goes. I love Cavani. He's going to be a great player for the rest of the season. I'm sure he'll even be a great player next season. But as we alluded to in recent weeks, you have to look beyond that because you do not want to get caught in the hop and enter the market looking for a striker when everyone knows you're desperate for a striker mm-hmm. because that's when your pants can be pulled down. Whereas United can enter the market this summer for a striker Teams don't necessarily see them as desperate for a striker the way they, they maybe were when Lukaku left because you, you look at it and say to yourself, right, they've got Cavani, they've got Greenwood, they've got numbers. So so United can use that in, in, in their favour as a bargaining position. Whereas if you leave it another year, if you leave it another 18 months, you'll be going to clubs desperate and the price gets ramped up 20, 30 million. The pandemic, touch wood and, and, and pray, God, pray to God, will be finished by then. It'll be as close mm-hmm. to being over as you can as you can say. And that's when teams, again, have got that leverage. The, the buyer's market that we're going to see this summer will change. The tide will change back to what we were used to before. So if you're Manchester United, you need to take advantage of this market this summer. A lot of people have talked about the ownership and the fact that They've put a lot of debt in place um, at the club and, and you can't argue with those statistics. You just mm-hmm. have to look at, at Kieran Maguire and others who have shown those figures for us and put it into terms we can understand. But one thing that they have done is they have put a bit of money in when you look, consider what Van Hal was given, when you consider what Mourinho was given. And it's time that Solskjaer is given that level of cash because the way I see it, Mourinho was very wasteful. How many of Mourinho's signings can you, hand on heart, say long-term have been fantastic? You think of Mkhitaryan and the money that was spent mm-hmm. on him. Um, Paul I know we all like, we loved the, the signing at the time. Has it been worth the money? Maybe maybe if we win a major trophy in the next 18 months, that that, that opinion will shift. But for me, with Ollie, you're talking about Juan Bissaka, who I think has been a very solid player, albeit he can still improve. Fernandez has been an inspiration. Cavani's been fantastic. Van de Beek, who I know will come to, has been, been been more of a miss than a hit so far. But overall, I would say Solskjaer has earned the right to be backed with the level of finance that Van Hal and Mourinho have. Because for me, he's shown that he can spot a player. He's shown that he can create a harmonious atmosphere within the club, something that Mourinho was criticised for towards the end of his tenure. So if you're going to back a manager with money, if you're going to back a manager with resources, it has to be all the Gunnar Solskjaer and it has to be this summer. Because as we've said on the show, Phil, many a time, if he doesn't win a trophy this season and they don't back him, he's probably a dead man walking next season. Because can you improve on second if they don't invest? Probably not, because the teams around you, you would think, will invest. Can you challenge in the Champions League if you don't invest again? If you can't challenge at the moment, then are you going to be able to challenge with a lack of investment? I would say no. So it has to happen this summer, not only for the club, but for the manager, because if they don't back him this summer, he will be scratching his head and thinking, what else can I do? I've finished third, I'm probably going to finish second. What else can I do to get closer to the top without investment? Well, and this is a question people ask, has Solskjaer taken United as far as he personally can? I think he's taken this United team as far as he personally can. And Spot I, on. And I think that that probably would be the case for anyone else. Could you really ask any other manager in world football to come in and take this Manchester United to a league title? I'm not sure you could. Because I think no matter who you bring in, Fred is still a problem. No matter who you bring in, those two centre-backs are still a problem. No matter who you bring in, you still have a problem with United in the final third. So I still think these problems still exist no matter who you bring in. I think that Solskjaer's done an amazing job getting the best out of players that he solved problems that existed before he came in. And to me, I've said this a million times, I still think that if you look at United in, in the difference between Manchester City, there's basically two games. That are that 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 are difference. Um, I think City have won two more than United, two or three more. I have to check. But um, 
Uh, when you consider where United were and where they are now, I think you have to say that they've done a fantastic job with this United team. Um, you know, people forget how bad it was under Mourinho. It's not. Take a look at Spurs. You know, the bottom line is we got a Mourinho that wasn't the Mourinho of old, and so where Mourinho took United as far as he could in second as well. So this really is a summer where, let's say they sell Pogba. Say they get 50 million for him, right? 50 million plus whatever United need to invest in that team. United should be one of the biggest spenders this summer if they're serious about winning the league. If they end up spending the Paul Pogba money and that's pretty much it, then we know they're not. Um, And no matter what nonsense is spun, right? Um, we I know that this is and, and look we may already know that because it should have been done this last summer and it wasn't obviously we're in the middle of a pandemic so perhaps you know, I saw me that are a bit more you know there was a bit more uncertainty in the, with finances market and everything whereas maybe by this summer we could be coming out the other end of, of COVID and we could start, start to see late at the end of the tunnel with fans coming back in the stadiums possibly starting next season and we start to see some normality coming back next season. We would hope by August. The British government's talking about being out of any type of lockdown by the summer. So hopefully by August, started next season, we're seeing some sense of normality back. But there's a Euros this summer. Players are going to be exhausted, Calm. You're going to need big squads next season. You're really not going to see the end of the, imp- the impact of COVID, assuming it ends this summer until the following year. Right, where where some normality starts to get back, where players get a preseason, they get some time off, and then can recover. So next season, I think you'll see a lot like this season in the sense that you'll have injuries. Um, you know, and, and Schultz done a great job of minimising that at United because that's always been a, a, a huge problem. Um, but I think big squads are going to be important. As for Van der Beek, so. I'd feel sorry for him in, in some sense because there's some important points that we made about him that do need to be answered. He does play in a position that is a key position, right? Where he's you not know, his best player, players. And so he's constantly being compared to well, Pogba and, and Fernandez, two of his best players. But that, that's the position that he occupies, so you have to live up to that expectation. It's hard to step into United team when you haven't been playing. But Samuel Lockhurst wrote an article that I thought was telling. And if you remember, um, Martial gets a clash of heads against West Ham. Um, Van der Beek's last start was the beginning of December in that West Ham game where he got hooked at halftime. We needed were 2 0 down, come back and win the game. Um, <clears throat> so that's telling to me that he hasn't played since then. And, I, and if you looked at when, when that clash of heads happened um, at Old Trafford, Solskjaer's coaching him. And if you see some of the coaching that's going on, he's telling him to be. Uh, he, he, he needs to have more tempo. He needs to be quicker with the ball. He was quicker moving the ball. He was occupying positions that didn't want them in. At some point, he was in the right back position, and you could see Soskar and Carrick coaching him to occupy different positions and to be quicker with the ball. That may be why he's not starting games United because they feel he's too slow. He slows United's build up down. He's not quick enough. I don't know, um, but I thought it was interesting. Nonetheless, and that is something that, to me, uh, that's a concern. Because that, to me, is more than just an adjustment. That is a personal player's style. And some players just are too slow for the Premier League. Um, go on somewhere else in, in Italy or maybe Spain and be, be exceptional. But that would be a concern to me. It would, it would be a concern, and, and I think that's something that that is very important because a lot of people talk about time uh, to, to settle in and bed in, as you've mentioned, but the Eredivisie is a, is a league that, that, in a sense, has some teams close to the bottom of the league that are quite scruffy um, in the way that England does with the likes of maybe a Burnley or a, or a, or a Newcastle or a West Bromwich Albion. So you have to say that it's not as if he's coming from Spain, where you've got teams even at the bottom that play free-flowing attacking football, even even if they're down there. So you, you would think that adaptation wouldn't be as severe as it could be. But I know the quality level undoubtedly does rise. But as I say, I'm, I'm not convinced that he's going to make the impact that so many thought he could have at United. Because when, when Pogba was injured, you summed up perfectly, Phil, by saying, 
I don't quite think Pogba's injury is going to showcase that Ollie has full faith in Van der Beek, and, and that's probably been shown when Fred and McTominay are starting as a pairing with Bruno in front. One other point I want to make in relation to your comment about the Euros, I completely agree with you. Um, a man we've both spoken to over the years, Henrik Larsson, he moved from Celtic to Barcelona and mm-hmm. he went to the Euros that summer before he went to Barcelona and he was called and asked, they want to sing you now, are you up for it? And he said, no, I'm away with Sweden, my full focus is on my national team and I don't want the move done until I come back. You, you may see similar situations this summer. Some players are more patriotic, use that term, than others and, mm-hmm. and maybe don't, don't want the distraction, especially when a major tournament can really define you as a footballer. We think there's so many greats over the years. Even James Rodriguez at Everton, where mm-hmm. a major tournament really put him on the map and got him a move to Real Madrid. So I think you'll see a lot of players with that tunnel vision this summer that don't want the distraction, don't want the talk during the tournament. So arguably, like you said with Bayern, like you said with Real Madrid earlier, getting your business done early is going to be very, very key because the longer you leave it, a team's in a major tournament. We saw it with Louis van Gaal when he was in charge of the Netherlands. He gets to he gets to the third place playoff and people are thinking, doesn't give him a lot of time to come and work with United. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it's going to be for a player if they get to the latter stages. If yep. they get to a semi or a final, that, as great as it is for them, it's a great achievement for the country. It does naturally cut down the pre-season time they're going to have with you. It could lead to a difficulty in that bedding and period that we've just discussed with Van der Beek. So a, a major tournament year is always difficult. Throwing in COVID and the, the fixture congestion that we already see in club football, never mind what we're going to see in international football this summer with the tournament as well. I think it's going to be invaluable to get your business done early. And the teams that get their business done early, I think will have an advantage over the others. You've seen that in many years. Look at Mourinho when he went to Chelsea second time around. He got Costa, he got Fabregas, he got those guys in early. They started the season well, he had a good pre-season with them and they went on and won the title. Teams that get their business done early for me tend to tend to put a marker down and tend to show what they're made of. I think of Salah, I think of Manny, I think of Van Dyke. Liverpool got those players early with minimal fuss, something you also mentioned earlier. And if United want to close that gap, that's going to be very key in a summer that's going to be very bloated with European qualifiers for teams, with the Euros being on, the new Europa Conference League starts. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be teams travelling here, there and everywhere and playing games here, there and everywhere which you want to avoid when you're trying to sign players because it can be a pain in the neck trying to get a player from a training camp um, at the best of times, never mind when there's restrictions which could still be in place then. Yeah, I completely agree. And also I agree that I hope with United players going out of the football club is also not a saga. I hope Paul Pogba doesn't turn into a saga. I hope it's something that gets done early. Um, and um, I hope... And, and I also hope that United plan accordingly. They don't wait to sell Pogba to replace him. They know he's going, right? So I hope that... The football club has looked at that and said, look, we we fully expect he's going to leave. We need to be proactive. We need to make sure we go out and send a player. We don't wait to sell him to then go out to the market because we all know what, what happens after that. Um, they did, of course, play Real Sociedad this, weekend, this, this week. Uh, the way game is going to be in Italy um, due to the travel restrictions in Spain. Um, surely Shortar has been added to the United squad, Europa League squad. Only 17 young, you know, just out of new contract, of course, look very, very good. And Neil Woods' team, um, it's a very, very exciting young player. Be interesting to see what team United pick. Um, and one of the things that I want to see in this game, Callum, one of the things that started to concern me, and we touched on it a little bit before, about this problem that haunted United a few months ago, where they were starting games so poorly. And now I'm starting to wonder if that's coming back. Because we saw what happened the weekend against West Brom. Take a look at what happened in the second half against Everton. They started terribly and conceded two goals. Are we now back to being the football team that starts poorly? That, that's unacceptable. That is a concentration issue. That's a professionalism issue. That has nothing to do with ability. That has nothing to do with anything other than players being prepared. You should. There's no excuse for that. So that is something I'm concerned about. So be interested to see what team Solskjaer picks. I expect that he'll change it up. I expect he'll rest players. Um, possibly could see Traore in this game. Be interesting. Van der Beek might get a game. If he does get a game, this would be the best run of games he's had. He played Everton in the Cup. And of course, he, I know he got last 15, 20 minutes against West Brom. 
If he starts again, he has to take advantage to play against Liverpool. So when they pick up, has to take advantage of these opportunities. Callum, he has to take them and grab them by scruff of the neck and impact games and be creating opportunities, scoring goals. If he doesn't, then I, I don't think it's fair for us fans to be saying Solskjaer should be picking him. I, I, I think at some point you have to force the manager's hand and... Yeah, you can make excuses about not getting games and not getting time to find your form and everything, but a club like United, you have to take your opportunity when it comes and you have to step up and show that if Paul Pogba goes this summer, I've the replacement's already in-house. I've already answered that question. Um, we talked about other players answering that question, but when United go out and send in players, Luke Shaw's not going to be worrying. He's answered that question, and other players have done that. Van der Beek needs to do the same. Otherwise, he should be one of the ones that should be worried about what United do this summer. Um, but uh, going to be interesting to see how United uh, line up against Sociedad. It is going to be interesting to see how they line up. And you, again, something you've you've said in the show in recent weeks that you know I completely echo. Failure has to be punished, whether it's time out the team, whether it's time on the bench, whether it's moving on, if, if that failure lasts longer term. And equally, success will be rewarded. Solskjaer has shown time and time again, Greenwood being the prime example, no matter what age you are, no matter what your profile is, if you can add to this United team, um, you will play. Look at Luke Shaw. He was off form um, at times last season. He, he, got, he gets Tellez in. Tellez has given the nod ahead of him. But as soon as Shaw improves his game, he's back in the team. So that should be the carrot for every single player at the football club who's going through a rough patch, if I play well, if I show my manager that I can turn this around, he will show faith in me. He's, he's shown that with umpteen players already. Um, Fred, probably another prime example, a player that many of us thought were, were on the way, was on their way out. We thought, is he United class? Could he play consistently in the United team? Probably not. He has been able to do that over the last couple of years. Yes, I know we've talked about the need for an upgrade, but his form improved and he was rewarded with that success. So that's going to be crucial. In regards to, to the, the lineup for Sociedad, I think it's going to be it's going to be very interesting. I, we, we spoke last week when it was um, ahead of the West Ham game and I had said that I think you need to go with your, your full-strength team and I think you need to, to make sure you get through in these type of competitions. I do think that, but with the Europa League at the moment this season, with COVID... The fixture congestion isn't going to go away. So it's mm-hmm. only going to ramp up for everybody between now and the end of the season. With that in mind, and with the, the recent results in mind, considering the Sheffield United, considering the West Brom, I think you need to you need to respect Sochidad and you need to play a strong team. But you also have to be wary of the position you're in. You're only four points clear of Chelsea. Um, and I know Chelsea have got a new manager and me, people may say that bounce may eventually dry up but you're four clear of Chelsea if Everton win their games in hand you might be only three ahead of them Villa the same I think United have, are, are in a situation where they have to balance all opportunities you have to strive to win a major trophy the Europa League it's not the Champions League right it's not the Champions League I'm not claiming that it is but it's still a trophy that teams want to win and if you win you'll get the respect that you deserve so I think you need to balance the need for success and the want and the desire for success with the reality of the league situation at the moment. Other than Manchester City, I think every single side in that top four could potentially be a couple of bad results from slipping out. I don't think United will slip out. I'm not here to be a naysayer mm. and, and say that United are suddenly going to fall off the, the face of the earth and, and lose five in the bounce. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is there needs to be a balance of expectation and a balance of the squad because United can't afford to, for want of a better phrase, get completely sidetracked by a cup competition when, as I say, they're only four points clear of fourth place because if United and if Ollie were to slip out of this Champions League position, you know as well as I do, Phil, the writing would be on the wall, the 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 fan media channels, who I don't even want to name, would be screaming, saying, I told you so, he's a P, he's all this... So it's important that United are able to use the squad and utilise it properly to balance the expectations of the league and the cups that they're still in to hopefully achieve success and get a trophy as well as that Champions League place because you know as well as I do, if United slip out of the Champions League places this season, it's going to be harder to maybe 
get that investment of 150 million quid and get players into the club that are going to take you to Challenge in City. So, as I say, I think there will be changes, but it has to strike that balance where it's not too many changes that it's to a complete detriment, but it's maybe not too strong that it could detriment you in the league. I think it needs to strike the right balance. Well, this really is the question. And, and, and so, can you never really afford to not take the Europa League seriously? Because... We're sitting here talking about top four as if it's a guarantee. It's not a guarantee. First of all, United are six points ahead of Liverpool, right? And we're sitting in sixth. Chelsea have won their last four, right? So Tuchel's got them in form, right? Um, so it's really... Liverpool will not be like this forever. They'll find their form again. So the top four is by no means a guarantee. This is going to be a very, very difficult top four. And I, so so can they really afford to be not prioritising the League? And then there comes the other question. Why isn't the biggest football club in the world capable of playing in two competitions and taking them equally seriously? Why is the squad not good enough? Mourinho was prioritising competitions. Why are we, why do we not have a squad that's good enough? Especially a squad that doesn't have a lot of injuries. It should be good enough. If it's not good enough, the answer is why. I, I, it's a fair question, why not? Why can you not be competitive in important competitions, that that is the bare minimum when you recruit, when you build over the summer, when you have a squad. The simple quite the question that you always have to be satisfied with is: this squad capable enough of competing seriously in all competitions? If the answer to that question is no, then you need to go to the market and bring in players so that you can answer that question positively. So there's no excuse in the Europa League, given that Solskjaer needs to win trophies. Not really. In a position to, to to turn around and, and diss the Europa League and say, ah, you know what, we'll pick kids here. Oh, I really think he can pick kids. He needs to win a trophy. And I'm telling you, that top four is by no means guaranteed. Even if he does finish in the top four, he needs to win a trophy. So for me, I think Solskjaer, you know, he's got another tough draw in the FA Cup, right? Can't really afford to look at this and think, ah, I'll pick a bunch of kids here. Um, he probably will weekend play a weekend squad. Uh, weekend squad certainly uh, rotate. You know, you need to play Newcastle at home on Sunday. Um, but um, he's not really in a position to, to, to afford to do that. Like if if you need to get knocked out of this competition over ba- playing badly against Real Sociedad, that, that Solskjaer should be criticised for that. He should be criticised for that, and he will be criticised for that. And that's why, as I say. In my opinion, he has to strike the balance. I don't think he can. I don't think he can completely change it the way that some sides maybe doing the Europa League are doing the, the FA Cup type uh, games, where you see maybe six or seven real changes because that can completely disrupt the flow and the balance. The reason I mention a balance of squad is because we've got a player in Cavani who, as, as good as he is and as fit as he is, I think. If you play him Europa League, FA Cup, Premier League, week in, week out, in every single match, you could potentially cause a little bit of burnout there. But there's no that you're you're totally right in the sense that there's no reason why players like Rashford, Luke Shaw, Aaron Wan Bissaka, who are young, fit, hungry guys, can't play week in, week out for United across all competitions. The reason I mentioned that balance is when you look at a player like a Cavani, when you look at a player like a Fred, even for me. You have to rotate him potentially with a Matic, with a Cavani. You have to rotate him with either maybe a Martial or a Greenwood up front. So I think there's key positions where you can you can strike that balance. In regards to the goalkeeping situation, I would still persist with Dean Henderson in goal for the cup competitions. We mentioned the West Ham United mm-hmm. game. He needs every opportunity he can get to prove that he can be United's number one goalkeeper. De Gea's came back in. I think he, he was in a difficult position with a goal at the weekend, given Lindelof's defending, so I'm not going to give him a lot of criticism for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I think it's important Henderson still given the platform to put real pressure on him, because, as we've mentioned before, Shaw is the epitome of improvement when it comes to competition being placed on you with Teles. So De Gea needs that competition. Your core starters of Juan Bissaka, Shaw, Fernandez, Rashford, Greenwood... There's no reason why those guys can't play all the games, as you've said, to compete in all fronts. You look at the likes of Barcelona and Madrid over the years where Messi and Ronaldo, they barely missed a game. That's what you want from your top talents. The, the point I'm trying to make, maybe I'm not making it very well, is 
when you've got players like maybe a Lindelof, a Maguire, who aren't the most convincing at the best of times, you can maybe afford to strike that balance with a Baye, with a Twan Zebe, with with players that aren't going to see the level drop absolutely, um, and, and and maybe even create a selection headache, which as a manager you want. With Lindelof's poor performance at the weekend, it's important that a Twan Zebe or a Baye gets another chance in that team to put pressure on him because you do not want to be in a position that we've seen over the years with Smalling and Jones, and I don't want to bring those guys down because at the end of the day, Smalling's away and Jones has these problems. But you don't want to see a, a situation where a player knows they're in the team as a sort of gimme each week because there's no real competition in the position. So I think, as I say, you need to utilise the balance of the squad to, to provide a platform for competition. But as you've rightly said, you also need to make sure that your core stars and your core starters remaining that team to challenge in all fronts because the Europa League, as Mourinho showed, could be a platform to get to the Champions League if the league doesn't go your way. And crucially for me, the FA Cup is a massive, massive opportunity to get a trophy for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I know the Europa League is equally maybe the same, but I just feel that with the FA Cup, there's not as many games. You don't need to travel abroad. That's the sort of competition. If you can put Leicester out, who are going to be a formidable opponent, they've had a great season and they've got a great coach in Brendan Rodgers. If you can put them out, I think you're in a really good position in that competition because I would rather play the good teams early in a cup competition. I would rather showcase my talent against the best so that as I go through, I've got more of a chance of winning. There's nothing worse than you see a side that maybe goes through with a favourable cup draw, gets to the semi-finals and they get a massive team and then it's rabbit in the headlights stuff. So it's important that United can beat Leicester in that FA Cup, know that they can beat anyone on their day and try and use that as their, as their sort of bridge to success. But as I say, the balance for me has to be has to be struck in the lineup because I just think there's certain players in certain positions that I don't think you can rely on for every game between now and the end of the season. Your core stars and your, your gimmies and your Fernandes, your Rashford, yes. But I just feel there's some room for tweaking with some of the other players in the team. We shall see, mate. Uh, we'll go ahead and leave it there, Cam. Listen, folks, thanks for all of you for all the downloads, likes, retweets and everything. Very, very much appreciated. Thanks for all the follows and everything. Always much appreciated. Don't forget, if you haven't, checked out this guy's uh, podcast at Football CFB. Fantastic content. Had Andres Bremer on this week as well. Uh, former World Cup winner from Germany. And some amazing interviews week in, week out. All free. Get yourself over. Subscribe to Cam's podcast. Thanks, Calm, as always, mate. Very much appreciated and uh, all the best, pal. Thanks very much, Phil. Absolute pleasure. Stay safe, folks, and we look forward to speaking to you again very soon. Cheers, folks. Bye.